And so open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And the title of my talk today is Unashamed. I pray that this year we will be shaped by not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the title of the talk is Unashamed. Romans chapter 1, verses 16, and I'll also include verse 17. And Paul is the author writing to the church of Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let me pray as we seek to get into the word of God together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are here for another year serving our kids and youth in this church and beyond the walls of the church. And we do pray that as we go into this year, we may not be ashamed of the gospel. And so, Lord, stir up our hearts to proclaim your gospel with precision this year. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, there are moments in life where we will be tempted to be ashamed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember a time when I was 22 years old and I became a scripture teacher in this high school called Camden Haven High School. And for the real first time of my life, I was tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. I remember teaching my first seminar in the school and in the seminar with about 200 teenagers, people started snorting like devils and saying 666 in the seminar, yelling it out. And I had no support from the teachers at all. They just let it go. I also remember inviting Jesus Racing to the school, which was a guy who was a famous driver of vehicles in Australia, doing all the racetracks and stuff, and he would come in and share about his faith. And I remember putting an announcement to all staff that this was happening. I was in the staff room at the time, and they were making a mockery of this event. And there was another time where I was running a lunch group in the school, and a bunch of atheists came in, they were in year 12, and they started drawing all over the whiteboard which symbols while I was trying to teach those who were keen to be there about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the reality that we will face as Christians. There'll be points in our life where we will be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel because of the pressures that surround us. Even though we'll be mocked for proclaiming the gospel, I would like to say that this is the aim. And Paul testifies this himself. I am not ashamed of what? Any ideas? The gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. On the cusp of a mission trip to Rome, the most powerful and affluent city in the ancient world, Paul made a bold statement. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In a sense, Paul declared, I am going to resist the temptation to be embarrassed by the message of Jesus Christ. Rather, I'm going to count preaching salvation by faith alone in Jesus as my greatest honor. I'm going to boast in this message. I'm not going to let anything stop me from proclaiming the good news. And so even though the word of the cross would arouse great hostility by religious elites in Rome and even though he would be ridiculed because of the simplicity of the message that Jesus died for our salvation, Paul gloried in the message of Jesus. 
Paul made it his chief aim to take fearless joy, pride, and satisfaction in the good news of Jesus. The apostle was not reluctant or embarrassed, says one scholar, to preach the gospel, for he loved the good news. So I'd like to ask you this question right now. As you seek to go into this year ahead, does your love for the gospel, does your love for the salvation in Jesus Christ outweigh your temptation to be ashamed of it? In other words, is your passion to tell the gospel greater than your temptation to hide it in your life? When you come across pressures Will you continue to testify that Jesus is Lord or will you lose your perseverance in Jesus Christ? If we were to be honest with ourselves, I suspect there are moments where, including myself, where we will feel ashamed for the gospel. There are some times where we give in to the shame. And there's many reasons for this. Look at the screen with me. Here's seven reasons why we might feel or experience shame for the gospel. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Concern about being excluded by friends or family who might not share the faith of Jesus. Maybe it's a social stigma, worrying about the negative perceptions or stereotypes associated with Christianity in certain social circles. Maybe it's your own moral failures personal shortcomings or mistakes that make you feel unworthy to share the good news. Maybe it's historical controversies that make the name of Jesus Christ laughable. Maybe it's religious intolerance and we're experiencing that more and more the further our culture moves away from Jesus Christ. Or maybe you even have a lack of understanding about the gospel, and when people ask you questions, you feel inadequate to engage with them about what you believe. Or maybe you are having a crisis of faith. Maybe you're someone here experiencing doubts, and you're just holding on to Jesus. Is there anything on the screen there, out of those seven points that you might struggle with, that tempts you to be ashamed of the gospel? Now, you might see that I highlighted red. That's what I struggle with. Fear of rejection. There were points that I didn't even want to go into that high school because I knew that I would be mocked for my faith. And you might identify that with yourself. You might struggle with that too. What tempts you to be ashamed of the gospel? Whatever your temptation or challenge is, there are two reasons today that I want to encourage you with so that you are firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's two reasons why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. And the first reason is this. Ready? Number one, the gospel is God's power. Let's look at the first point, verse 16. Can you open up your Bibles again to verse 16? And we're going to read it again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, power of whom? Say it out. Of God. This is a powerful message. The gospel is not advice. It is raw, authoritative power. The gospel does not bring power. The simple message itself, all about Jesus, is power. For it comes from the mouth of the all-powerful 
God. I love this word from Leon Morris who wrote a commentary on Romans and he said this, when the gospel is preached, this is not simply so many words being uttered, the power of God is at work. When the gospel enters anyone's life, it is though the very fire of God had come upon that person, him or her. When we speak, and I really want you to believe this in your whole heart, when we speak biblical truth with accuracy, with precision, I want you to believe that this is God's very word penetrating people's lives as you speak what scriptures plainly teach. When we speak the simple gospel, our all-powerful God speaks. When we announce the death and resurrection of Jesus with clarity, God's limitless power is unleashed in human history. Equipped with the good news, Paul therefore has no reason to fear his mightiest foes. Armed with the gospel, really, Paul towers above Rome. Rome, while it's the biggest city, the most dangerous city, even though it will one day imprison him, he has power because he has the word of God ready to be proclaimed. Does anyone know this old movie called Godzilla? Hands up if you've heard of Godzilla. A few of you. Great. You're still with me. Godzilla is about a giant reptilian monster awakened and empowered after many years of nuclear radiation. Godzilla's signature move is not the fact that he's massive, but he has this atomic heat beam within him that generates inside of his body and, cr and creates this high velocity radioactive blast. And so just imagine this big giant dinosaur with this laser coming out of its mouth, destroying everything that gets in his way. And so armed with this power, Godzilla quickly begins to destroy the city of Tokyo, redu reducing it to a sea of flames within a few hours. And I'd like you to think about this. Even though Paul is small and Rome is huge, Paul becomes like a Godzilla when armed with the gospel. When he preaches, the gospel has the force of a radioactive beam that has the power to bring down the mightiest foes, to bring them to their knees. And we know this happened in church history. Because Rome was converted to Christ. Imagine the courage and boldness and optimism he had as he held this treasure in his heart, the gospel. He was deeply confident in the message that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Should we have that same confidence? Just sit with that question for a moment and think about it. Has the message changed? If we're proclaiming the same message that Paul proclaimed, should we be confident? I want you to say yes. That's my prayer for you this year. That you will say yes, that this gospel is the most powerful weapon in church history in any time it still has the power to transform our schools into places of faith 
to provide broken families with the comforts of eternity, to stir up awe of God throughout the entire city of Sydney, and to double, triple, and even if we pray, it could even quadruple our CYF ministries here, our youth and kids ministries, if we wholeheartedly believe that when we proclaim it, God will do his work. And so let us not be ashamed of the gospel. Hebrews 4.12, this is a verse to memorize, to store up in your heart. It says this, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The gospel is God's power. But there's one more point, and it's a shorter point. I'd like to focus in on this point too. But the gospel is not only power, the gospel actually, it really does its work of saving lives. And so let me read verse 16 again in your Bibles, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that does what, guys? Brings salvation to everyone who believes. What is this salvation? Salvation is broadly talking about many blessings that come from a life lived in Christ. When we are attached to the source of our salvation, Jesus Christ, this salvation refers to all the blessings that God wants to give us. And so here's a list of many blessings on the screen. It includes things like forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah, that is a great gift of salvation. Also the hope of eternal life. If our sins are forgiven, we have something great to long for. It also refers to adoption to sonship. The fact that we are no longer children of wrath, but now children of God the Father, and God embraces us as his own. We now have peace with God and can approach his throne of grace with confidence. We can now also conform to Christ. Before we came to Jesus, we were unrighteous on a different pathway. But when we have faith in Christ, our lives begin to transform. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. God says, I want to take my home. I want to place, sorry, my presence in you. I want to live with you. I want to be next to you. I want to live inside of you. And also we're guarded by God's power. Even when we wander, God assures us in many ways that we are children as long as we continue to persevere by faith. There's so many blessings that are within this broad term of salvation. But how do we take hold of this salvation? How do we grasp it? How do we make it ours? When we're proclaiming salvation to youth and kids who we're ministering to, what is it that we're stressing? Because the reality is, if I grew up in a Christian home, that is not enough. What are we proclaiming to these young lives who we're ministering to? Well, how do we take hold of salvation? First, God needs to do a work in that person's life. Imagine that you are an old handheld video game console lost in a forgotten box. On the screen, that was my first video game console. It's called the Game Boy Pocket, black and white. And as you can see there, played games like Tetris. Imagine that you are that device hidden for like 20 years in a box. But then one day God finds you, opens you up and looks inside of you. What does God see? He sees old 
decaying batteries. You are lifeless. You are broken. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. You don't turn on. The acid is everywhere. There's no life in you. You are completely ruined. But there's hope. To be made new, you need to be refurbished from within and be given a brand new power source for brand new life. Does God leave you hopeless? The answer is no. In his mercy and kindness, God meets you where you are. Through the preaching of the gospel with power, he cleans out your decaying heart and places a new power source within you. That power source is the all-powerful gospel of salvation. But there's a kicker. Even though God gives us a new and life-giving power source, we don't turn on automatically. The only way to tap into this power source is a word. It's a five-letter word. You can see it right in that text. It is by faith that you are saved. Also believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the preaching of the word, God transforms our hearts and makes it new. But we, once our hearts are transformed, must respond with What's the word? Faith. And so in our kids' ministries, what are we stressing? In our youth ministries, what are we stressing? What are we giving our youth and children an opportunity to do? We're giving them an opportunity to respond to the gospel that leads to salvation by an act, and that is called faith. Think of it this way. Our switch to new life is faith. When we turn on faith, we take hold of salvation. And this gift is not only for you, it is for the whole world. Paul says, for, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. In other words, it is for the entire world. This is good news for all, your neighbour, those who you don't even want to talk to in your neighbourhood, people in school who rejected you. It's going out to everyone who believes in the gospel of salvation in Christ. And so... We have two reasons why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. What's the first reason? It is the power of what? God. And the second reason is it brings about salvation for all who believe. May we wholeheartedly treasure this gospel and proclaim it in all we do and say this year, being not ashamed that it is powerful and effective to save. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are here tonight and that we can ground ourselves in the unsearchable riches of the gospel. We thank you that proclaiming the gospel is no ordinary proclamation. It is a message that has the power to transform lives. And we do pray that as we proclaim the gospel in our youth and kids ministries this year, lives will be transformed. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks,